Welcome back to The Nightly. I'm Sarah. And I'm Olivia. For this episode, we interviewed Professor Washington from Calvin's History Department. Born and raised in New Orleans, Professor Washington left Louisiana in 1991 after graduating from college. He began teaching at Calvin in 2007 and is now entering his 13th year at Calvin. We talked to Professor Washington about some of his effort to discover his identity. Over the past few years, he's spent time investigating where his family and people come from. Because he is a descendant of enslaved people, his journey has been distinct from the Calvin majority, even though some of that journey has happened within Calvin's context. We begin by talking about his professional life. And has your focus always been history and like particularly African and African American history? No, no, that's a good question. As an undergraduate, I, 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 my, my bachelor's degree is actually in sociology. So what drew you to history from having that background? Yeah, I mean, what drew, drew me to history? Um, when I was, when I decided to start taking African-American history courses and African history courses in college, the history, especially the African-American African history, that pulled me in because it actually, it actually spoke to me. It spoke about where my where my story begins. My story doesn't begin on this continent. My story begins um, in West and West Central Africa. So it was more or less trying to search. It was trying to search for my African identity. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what drew me. It, it, it answered questions for me mm-hmm. that I had not fully articulated mm. and really didn't have uh, a well-formed answer for. You've done a lot of traveling yes. to understand like the history of your ancestors, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that and like why you chose to do that and what that's looked like? Yeah, this is as, as, I, as I just mentioned. This has been a long time coming. Um, I remember in the late '80s, while I, while I'm in college, doing a lot of soul searching, and um, it, it began in 19 really it began in 1988, I would say, 88 or 87, when I was taking the sociology class of race and race relations and the class we had to do a family tree and I knew very little about my family history past my grandparents mm-hmm. and so it was rough so really I can say this now you know, I mean I fudged I, I just I, I just took wild guesses about where my line in my family's history where where it began so I just said uh I said, I, th- I think I picked France and somewhere in Africa. It really spoke to this 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 emptiness that a lot of uh, Africans of the diaspora have in terms of the, those of us who are descendants of, of enslaved people, that there are big gaps in our knowledge mm-hmm. about who I think. We, we don't have names of great-great-grandparents or great-great-great-grandparents. We can't, we can't trace our heritage to a particular spot in a particular village, let's say in Nigeria, it was now Nigeria. So those are questions that I started to have beginning in 87 or 88, whenever it was. Professor Washington felt his roots in Africa, but only started pursuing information about his genealogy bit by bit after grad school by using the internet and talking with his family. It wasn't until he traveled to Ghana that he broke down and decided to invest considerable time and effort into discovering his ancestry. But when we went to Ghana, and just the feeling of being at home, 
in Ghana made me think, and especially going to Elmina made me think, okay, it feels like I've been here before. Yeah. For people who don't know what Elmina is, can yes. you explain a little bit yes. about that and that experience? Elmina is one of the slave fort, slave castles that dot the landscape along the Gulf of Guinea, Atlantic Ocean, and Ghana. And we visited there uh, last January and just looking, looking through that door of no return and thinking, okay, did, did one of my ancestors pass through that door? Uh, how would I know? Mm-hmm. Well, I had to get some kind of link. So I finally broke down. I took, I took, a, gene, I took a DNA test. And I got, I got the results back, um, mostly Nigerian ancestry, but not a breakdown in terms of ethnic group. Broadly, West African as well. Okay, I mean, that, that coincides with what we know historically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could have been Ghana. So I wasn't satisfied with that, with that test. So I took another test um, with ancestry, DNA. And at least that one did bring back like a, a little result saying, Ivory Coast, Ghana. So, I well, maybe, maybe one of my ancestors passed through that that door. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Being on the ground in Ghana definitely sparked this even more. Um, I went went to Liberia, where at least I could see where uh, repatriated, formerly enslaved African Americans went back to to the continent to to form a colony, and. That was, that, was, that was a good experience and, and then seeing people with my own last name um, in, in Liberia and people from my home state who had left Louisiana and had um, settled in, in Liberia during the 19th century. I mean, that, that was powerful. It's still powerful. It still resonates with me. But yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's been good. Mm-hmm. It's opened me up. It's changed the way I see myself. How so? Well, I mean, now I, I know, and number one, I know that my real identity does not lie in North America. That's mm-hmm. number one. And being on the ground in, uh, in West Africa in particular, you know, I, I feel as though you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of, 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 of those people. Mm-hmm. They're my people. Um, I don't have to it's not I don't feel out of place obviously mm. um, so it's, 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 a, it's a level of comfort that, that I have I was I am the first generation in my whole family to be born when African Americans have their full rights mm-hmm. yeah, my whole family I, not, even, not even my siblings I'm, I'm the last of three uh-huh. and I was talking about that with my sister just uh, last week, so I'm I'm the I'm the first one. So, with that said, even though the legalities have been brushed aside with new civil rights legislation that came out in the 1960s, still the residue of that is is, is quite palpable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of cultural biases racial animus. That stuff hasn't gone away because the the Congress passed the nineteen sixty four Civil Rights Bill or the Voting Act of sixty five. That didn't that didn't go away. 
Professor Washington described the continuing segregation of neighborhoods due to redlining and the subsequent concentration of poverty in black neighborhoods and schools, all because of racist biases and policies. And so the, the cycle's going to be perpetuated generation after generation after generation. So all of that is institutionalized racism. You've talked a little bit about your personal history, yeah. your traveling experience, mm -hmm. and then also your background in sociology and in history. So I just want to hear how these things all come together mm -hmm. and how your experience and your study of historical issues of race, institutionalized racism, how has that been influenced by Calvin? Well, Calvin has made me dig down into it because hey, when I first arrived at Calvin, I mean, it's a very different place in terms of the mm. student body now than it was when I got here in 2007. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very white. And first, first, probably two or three years here at Calvin, I mean, I would get consistently average uh, student evaluations. Mm. And there would be some nasty things written by some students. And it was racially targeted. I mean, it, it, was, it was coded language. Mm. So again, it's how the sociologists in me can recognize uh, dog whistles. But so it, it made me drill. I mean, that exercise, because I, I had to write about this stuff as I was going through the process of tenure. Mm. And going, going before my chair, going for my dean, and say, look, look at this. You see this. You see what's happening here. Mm. All right? This is just straight up racism. And hey, my chair at the time, he was like, yeah, it is. And uh, dean, who's now provost, Cheryl Branson, she was my dean at the time. She said, yeah, I see that. So I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that they understood and they had my back in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I still had to deal with that stuff in the classroom. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was undercurrent. It was, it was under the current. It wasn't that anyone was disrespecting me in the class or challenging me in the class. No, it was all under the current. Mm -hmm. And how does that make a professor of color feel when he knows that this is going on under current, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm guarded. And I can't be, I really can't be myself. And yeah. so I felt like fettered in a sense mm -hmm. until I started not caring about that. It's just, okay, I'm going to be who I am. Mm -hmm. If you can be free to be who you are, I'm going to be free to be who I am. We're in a new season now. Yes, the student body is much more diverse. Um, I get students from all backgrounds and ethnicities in my 100 level classes and I'm thankful for that but you know to be honest this is this is a brand new this is a brand new season for me because now I'm the only African-American man on faculty here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the only one and you can count the women of African descent on one hand anyway so it's very few of us yeah very few of us now even though student body has has, has uh increasingly diversified like i'm i'm the last black man faculty here at calvin right now yeah i don't know when that's going to change so that's it's going to be i'm not gonna say pressure it's not pressure mm -hmm. but spotlight i'm already in the spotlight mm. 
spotlight's gonna shine even brighter on me now. Mm. Um, so I see how I'm deal with that. Uh, I don't I don't know how at this point. Do you think we should be talking about that more? Yeah, I, that's that's why I'm, that's why I'm bringing it up right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because maybe you maybe the everyday student won't notice this because right. I mean there's very few of us in, already. But when you say, oh wow, there's only one African American man who's on faculty here. Mm-hmm. What does that say about this institution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where's where's my support? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I got a support in my department. But again, I'm I'm the only African American person, man or woman, in my department. Mm-hmm. Um, I can look at my colleagues in my building: philosophy, none; uh, religious studies, none; mm-hmm. uh, English, none; sociology, one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Why do you think that the student body has changed so much, but the faculty, it sounds like, hasn't? So you don't have to be a Christian to come to Calvin University. And that's fine. I'm glad for that. Um, but you have to be a Christian and a certain, and, and, and a certain, a certain a Christian from a certain tradition to be a tenure faculty here at Calvin. Mm-hmm. And number one, there are very few people of color within reformed churches. And I'm, I'm speaking across the board. Yeah. Whether we're talking about Christian reform, reformed church in America, Presbyterian church, USA, Presbyterian church in America, what have you. They're not that many. So the pool is already shallow. Right. Then we're a, we're a small institution. And people with PhDs from the Ivy Leagues or Big Ten institutions, Unless you really sense a calling to teach at a at a Christian liberal arts university, this is not going to be the place where you're going to look at first. Yeah, right? you, you're going to weigh your options. So I think all of those things are wrapped into it. So I'm 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 not going to say oh we should do away with our faculty requirement for um, being a reformed Christian or be signing off mm-hmm. on 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 the reform. I, th- I think it's much deeper than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's part of an issue. I'm not going to call it a problem. It's an issue. Um, but there, there, there are other things to look at as well. And I think we have to really study this. I don't know if we have committed to really study this. Maybe bring attention to it, as we're doing right now. Maybe that'll cause the higher-ups in administration to start studying this. Mm-hmm. And because because we're connected to uh, a church, uh, Christian Reformed Church, Senate should should study it. Uh-huh. The paucity yeah. of African American faculty at this institution. Mm-hmm. What has been the hitch in the giddy up? You know, and if it's been the faculty requirement, then maybe it's time to revisit that and be creative and open this up to be more attractive to uh, faculty of color or potential faculty of color. I don't know. It could be, but we got to study it. We just can't just have banter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or have anecdotal conversations or conversations based on anecdotes. I think we have to really study this thing. Um, so I think, I think we're, we're, we're in a good position right now to strike. Mm. we got to strike. 
Um, and it's gotta be something that is, I think a coordinated effort between students and administration, students and faculty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe someone is asking a question. I don't know. But if someone's asking the questions, man, please share them with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dang, it's like, is there something that we should know, both faculty, administrators, and students, is there something about this institution that people are leaving? Mm -hmm. I'm talking more on on the staff side. We've been bleeding numbers of African-American staff members for the last couple of years. This year was particularly, I think, mm-hmm. visible. I think part of it has to do with you know, the, 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 the economic concerns going on around here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, financial concerns. That's part of it, I think. But I don't know. Uh, in some cases, it may not. But we have to know that. Um, like who's who's going to be next and why? Mm-hmm. Do you think that people are not thinking of these questions or do you think that they're cautious to ask you about them and if they're cautious to ask you about them why yeah that's a good question i don't know um if if someone is keen eventually people are gonna do the math mm-hmm. you know if i'm sitting in a, if i'm sitting in the group let's say in the fall we have a fall faculty assembly and this is see white faces and there's my brown face and then maybe there are three other brown faces, and it look, and I'm I'm the only brown face with a mustache. Um, <laughs> they don't figure something out. They say, "Oh wow, dang!" Hopefully, somebody will figure something out. And say, "Dang, what's going on? Mm-hmm. How is he doing? How is he coping with this?" Mm-hmm. Empathize. Mm-hmm. What if I was the only one? Mm-hmm. So I would hope that, but I I, I think. The the, 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 the the ethos of this institution is to smile and not knock on my door or send me an email and say, hey man, you know, I've noticed that you know, you're the only one. How you how you dealing with this? Mm-hmm. I would hope. I'm not gonna hold my breath on that. I think eventually it might come out. I guess what's one way that you think that we can build that empathy? Well, I think this is one way. Um, we got to learn each other's stories. That's what I say in class. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just my personal story, but the story that I'm a part of collectively. Mm-hmm. So learning about African and African-American history, diaspora history, reading literature on that, um, learning about race and ethnicity as it's operated here in the United States. Um, those those types of things. Um, so we'd be surprised about what people have gone through and what they're going through and the larger context of, of, of these personal narratives. So I, I, think, that, I think that's important. Uh, very, very important. So that's, why, that's, that's, that's one reason why I was so disappointed and, you know, to be honest, angry that the semester in Ghana was canceled this past year because they're at it's a, it's a wasted year. It's a wasted opportunity for, I don't know, 20, 25 students to get some specialized knowledge and come back and really be change agents, kind of cheerlead for, you know, for the importance of Africa mm-hmm. in, 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 in our curriculum. Um, 
and he's struggling, struggling to keep to keep Africa rele relevant. I hope people who listen to this realize that I'm not coming from a place of bitterness or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really want this institution to thrive and flourish mm -hmm. in ways that it has the potential to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking from a faculty point of view, from my own faculty point of view, I see we, 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 have, we have a ways to go. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to disparage the work that's already been done. I hope no one uh, thinks like that. And uh, I hope nobody thinks that, oh, he, he should be an administrator. No, not yet. I, I enjoy being in the classroom. Uh -huh. um, I have more freedom in the classroom than I think I would be in the office. But yeah, I'm just, I, I just, I just had to unburden this. This is, this is, I felt, I felt the pinch as soon as I heard that Ed Miller was retiring. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be the only one left. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so so important for people to hear. So, mm -hmm. thank you so much for talking. Yeah, okay, you're welcome. Thank you so much, Washington. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nightly. This is the first of our episodes featuring stories that commonly go untold at Calvin University. If you have one, let us know. Tune in again next month to hear another story from our community. Special thanks to Professor Eric Washington for sharing his story with us this episode.